pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quagat Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 22 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can find the website at draftrugby.com and get after us on the socials at Draft Rugby. Joining me over Zoom again, I have the boys. Nelson, mate, how are you and how was your weekend? Uh, it was good, mate. It's just, just more and more of a buzz that uh, Aussie rugby's around the corner and there was a, a few more games on the weekend. So I'm just loving it at the moment. Fantastic, man. How did your golf go? Did it go about as good as I'm expecting, as good as your fantasy teams have gone in the past? Or? It went surprisingly well, mate. I two-putt everything, no matter how far away it was. My issue is my drive. What do we say? 17 over for nine holes? Yeah, that's good for me. Surprisingly <laughs> <laughs> really good. Classic, very good. And uh, also, um, Harry, Harry, man, how are you? I didn't see either of you on the weekend. So, um, yes, clearly excited about Aussie rugby coming up this week. Mate, very, very excited. And my granddad, also his granddad, turned 95 <laughs> on the weekend, which is pretty awesome. Wow, that's, that is something. That's a good innings right there. Pretty old. Mm. Maybe you should ask for some draft, um, you know, help. Well, the takeaway is that you're stuck with us for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, oh, dear. Now, well, anyway, that, that brings us to, apart from being excited about Aussie rugby starting back up, we are, of course, very excited because we have our own fantasy draft this week on Thursday. It's kind of like, I feel like it's, um, we're getting like a second Christmas this year. Um, and it's kind of it, similar to Christmas in July. It's just a shittier Christmas. And by that, I mean... It's just like a shorter season um, and, you know, there's disruptions and whatnot. But still, you, you take your second Christmas. I'm so excited. Draft day is the best day of the year. This is the greatest Christmas of all for Nelson. He's going to go from last to back to even. <laughs> Mate, my team, after looking at the hat-trick of losses, down the barrel of a hat-trick of losses, to actually, all I, being on par again. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that. That's fantastic because if he loses again, then he's lost twice this year and it just makes that loss even better, really. so No one's lost this year, mate. Fact, I think I, I was probably drawn actually drawn us worst points for again. All right, don't make us bring up the stats, Nels, because we'll crush you. But um, <laughs> no, all right, now look, another. How about moving on swiftly? Um, a very quick platform update. So um, yes, with our draft, so we do our draft on Thursday night, which uh, generally means all the lineups are out um, two days or a day before the games, which is, should be good. Um, but yes, what we're hoping to do for the draft for our uh, for our platform, um, we're hoping to have up uh, the ability to play the most basic version of the game that has eluded us uh, for quite a while. And by that, I mean you should be able to log on, create an account, create leagues, invite your friends. You should be able to. Which you can do uh, now, by the way. Sorry, you can do that now. Very good. Uh, add players to your team. Um, you should be able to see all of your uh, all the teams in your league. Uh, so add and remove players. Uh, every week you'll be able to see your team and your players' scores. You'll be able to see your fixtures, so uh, your fantasy team's fixtures for the season and set those. And you'll be able to see the table. So, um, I mean, for Nelson, he doesn't even have to look at the table because he always knows where he is at the bottom. It's fine. But, um, you know, for those of you who do um, move up and down... Uh, so, yeah, so we're hoping to have the basic functionality in place. There's, it's going to be interesting with um, the stats coming in this week. Uh, the few challenges we'll face are things like, first of all, who are some of the new players in the force? Mm. Um, so there'll be some new players. Uh, also having two different rugby competitions merging the stats in to getting the scores. So we're not just getting yeah. stats from one feed, but 
Um, yeah, look, we're, we're super excited to kind of get a roll on. We've done a lot of the, the, I guess, the important infrastructure, a lot of the stuff you can't see in setting up this platform. Yeah, look, I think how we should be able to. It's a good, great opportunity. I think there's, it's not really been done, you know, a fantasy platform with a few different competitions going. We think there's going to be some positives coming out of it. And I think there's a great, it's just a great opportunity. There's no one else doing it at the moment. We've had a real buzz on, on social media. A lot of the guys from Fantasy Rugby TV, things hitting us up. So, I mean, on, on our end, we're really excited. Things are better than they've ever been for us. So I'm really, really excited to, to be able to release this and, and get people on board and, and keep building from, from there. Yeah, probably the, the two bits of advice that I would have is, number one, uh, bear, bear with us is probably the most important one from our point of view. We have got Hugh working his ass off. He's an absolute legend, our website engineer. And, you know, we, we've, he's even put some extra time aside on his Sunday to try and fix a couple of little small issues that uh, some of the managers that are involved on the website already have, uh, have brought up. But he's busting ass to try and get this thing going as well as possible. My best advice would be just save your team lineups and things each week, just in case there is a problem with the website, because it definitely is a beta version rolling out as we go. We hope that there's no problems and Hugh's a wizard, so he's very good at, uh, at fixing some of those problems, but definitely uh, back things up. And then the last thing is, you know, we've been getting a few questions about some of the positioning questions for some of the players. And there's obviously, you know, we've discussed a lot between the three of us, the fact that there is not a lot of extra players up for grabs for each manager when you've got eight teams playing every week and eight managers playing every week. So we're basically going to play people in the position they are as of now. So the Aussies, wherever they get named, that's the position they are. Um, for example, let's say Will Harrison, the Waratahs half, if they name him at inside centre, he's going to be a centre. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that would be a good example. It won't happen. Uh, Mitch Hunt. <laughs> There's a good expectation that Mitch Hunt is going to be moved to fullback this week with Joshuaana coming back in. Mitch Hunt becomes spoiler. A spoiler alert. Lock him in at fullback. Bowden Barrett, fullback. He's an outside back. He's not a ten. Yeah. You know, so definitely that's one of those things that uh, we'll announce as late as possible, but expect it to be whatever position they're named in. Yep. Fantastic. No, that's a good update. And um, yeah, certainly get after us with your questions um, at Draft Rugby. Um, we're loving them. And also, if you haven't checked it out, at Draft Rugby Dev as well, where Hugh um, constantly is providing dev uh, development updates. So very good. All right, let's get into the meat and veg. Let's get into the uh, the, on, the, the menu for the um, tonight. Uh, so uh, as per standard for Entree, we're going to review uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa Round 3. For main course, we're going to preview round four, or we're going to call it fantasy round one. So we're going to preview Super Rugby AU round one and Super Rugby Aotearoa round four, um, which is fantastic. We have four games coming up, so how good. Um, and then for dessert, we're going to do a quick preview of the of Super Rugby AU. And I guess, um, what else are we going to do in that, guys? We're just going to basically say what we think the how they're going to rank at the end of this season, one through to five, and, and pick the guys we think that might shine. Uh, there's a few guys that already put their hand up early on in the season, but I think this is a great opportunity. Head-to-head Wallaby you know, potential, so it'll be good. Yeah, and I guess any further player movements that we haven't um, captured in the, in the preview, and, and there's definitely a lot of new names out there that people might not have heard of. So. Yep. Excellent. All right, without further ado, let's jump into the entree. So uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa Round 3, the Highlanders had the... Highlanders didn't have the buy. I'm fairly sure I watched them play. So um, we haven't updated Hurricanes had the buy. Hurricanes had the buy. Um, 
And in the first fixture this week, we had the Blues taking on the Highlanders. And who wants to jump in and start us on this one? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll happily start. The Blues took this one 27 to 24, four tries to three. I think we all tipped that. The Blues have been doing well. Um, in the returns column, Nani Punavai, who was an ex-Crusaders player, he, uh, he made his debut. Um, for injuries, Sam Gilbert, he it looks like he did his ACL. He didn't make his debut. He, he'd been playing in Super Rugby um, oh. in, in the first seven rounds, but um, but st- yeah, made his, yeah, but um, still a young gun. Absolutely, return, sorry, we made his return. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That knee injury. I mean, they haven't announced anything, but the mechanism. Watching it like it's ACL all day long. Yeah, it looked pretty bad. Um, that was on on Sam Gilbert. That one we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In- I watched it about six times in my physio clinic today. <laughs> You just have it on loop in the background, you know, when new patients walk in, that's all they say. Um, so, yeah, sort of a few points out of this one. Um, the Highlanders seem to be a whole lot better at Super Rugby Aotearoa than they did early on in the year. Um, their defence seems more organised. Their set-piece seems stronger. Um, so they actually seem to be a little bit more of a threat, even though they didn't take this one. While the Blues, their kicking game's been a huge difference maker for them. Um, they've, uh, Terry Black's been extremely accurate with his kicking um, and yeah, a decent short game with Bodie Barrett and Sam Nock, who I don't know for me if he's there nine for the rest of the year um, he's, I like Finlay Christie I like Finlay Christie um, he's, yeah, what were you going to say? I don't, I don't mind Nock, but I'll jump in just I thought there was a cool start to do with the kicking um, I just saw her on Twitter recently I, I well, I've committed the cardinal sinner for getting who to shout out here, but um, Modi Barrett's kicking, um, which has been fantastic. But he's been kicking out of hand in this competition. 33% of his kicks have been with his off foot, with his left foot. And last weekend, 45% of his kicks were with his off foot. So he's truly, um, well, I was going to say ambidextrous, but uh, Nelson the podiatrist, is there a word for ambi, uh, ambi-feet? I'm going I'm to go with ambi-footrist. Yeah, there's not. I actually looked it up. I was testing. I think it's just ambidextrous. Am, ambipedal or something? That's, yeah, uh, there you go. That's <laughs> I was testing you, but, but, um, but still, I, anyway, he's, he's, he's that good that you, you, you couldn't tell like which way he's kicking. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No, to, to be honest, I, I was more impressed with the Terra Black's kicking game in this one. I thought it was absolutely exceptional. Bodie was still solid, but there was one or two aimless kicks still from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't... You know, we've been saying on this pod week in, week out that a Terra Black, you know, if you put Bodie Barrett in there, you gain a lot, but you don't lose anything. But probably the one thing I would say is Black's kicking has been excellent. Kicking for goal, oh, yeah. I think he's over 90%. And oh, maybe mm. just under now, I think he missed another one on the weekend. And uh, and in play is exceptional. He's also, I mean, if this was rugby um, AU, he kicked a few on the weekend, you know, the 50-22s and made it look extremely easy. So it'll be interesting to see how Teams have to defend that in, in the Australian version of, of this season. I'm very excited for that rule, yeah. The uh, the stuff that I wanted to look at was the the outside backs in this game. So, first of all, you can't go past Mr. Caleb Clark. Oh. Uh, the news story going around was that his grandfather passed away yeah. that, that morning, was it? Yeah, earlier that day. Um, which is obviously pretty tough for anyone. And he just absolutely killed it. He played out of his skin and... Uh, and said it was for his granddad. So that was, that was pretty awesome. And he just keeps getting better and better and better. The tucked in shirt, I yeah. think just sells it for me. He just looks wrong, especially when you've got an ass and legs that powerful and that big, but yeah, very he, good from him. He just looked like a, a, an extremely mature young man as well. He was interviewed after the match. Um, and he's just, 
it was quite an emotional uh, interview, to be fair, if you if you were watching it. But he's got his head on straight. He's committed to his rugby. He's committed to his team. And it's, it's great to see, as well as his religion, to be honest. And more importantly, he's a weapon. He is an absolute beast. I love him. What was it? A, a cross between his father and Nonu. Uh, Nonu was, uh, was one of the calls on Twitter. <laughs> Mate, he, I reckon he makes Martin on a little, a little bit small. He's got those Jonah Lomu yeah. thighs, mate. Have you seen those thighs, mate? He's enormous. No, mate, he doesn't make Martin on who looks small. <laughs> That's a strange. Right, on, on the other side of things, though, Scott Gregory, I think he had an absolute shocker. First oh, yeah. of all, he absolutely spilled a few bombs in a row. Uh, he knocked on some other balls as well. And then in that first half as well, he tried to kick... A, uh, a ball from inside his own try line and just kind of waited a little bit too long, got it charged down by Hoskins the Tutu, who else would it be? Oh, yeah. And Bolton Papali'i just kind of fell into the breadbasket for him and he dove over and it was just kind of like the icing on, on the cake for a pretty sad night for him. I thought he was probably worse than uh, old mate last week. And, and also just... Every opportunity to talk about Caleb Clark, it was fantastic. He's, uh, they're both sevens teammates. And uh, after Gregory made that kick and they scored the try, Caleb Clark was running in and just kind of grabbed him, pulled him into the, to the huddle celebrating, which was fantastic. But there was, there was also, they kept kicking those bombs to him all night, Gregory. And yeah. I, there was one I remember where, as he caught it, Caleb Clark absolutely smashed him. <laughs> so he was having a tough night for sure. So that took it to 22-10 at halftime. Yeah, the uh, it was it was an interesting second half. The Highlanders fought back with two converted tries uh, in only a short period of time, thirteen minutes. Shannon Frizzell diving over, um, driving over pretty much. Yeah, wasn't he it? ran ran like contact post contact meters. Yeah. Just like five to ten meters, huge. Yeah, and Mitch Hunt's uh, his his little try as well. He um, what did he do? He just found the gap, turned on the afterburners, and show, through. show and go. Yeah, big step, little dart. Yeah, he looked he looked really good. I thought. Yeah. So they, they got they actually blew out to a, a lead there, taking it twenty four to twenty two after being down twenty two ten. Um, but yeah, Mitch Hunt, we were we were talking about him after the game. He was not only their best player at times, he was their worst player at times. Yeah. So that try was absolutely brilliant. A few things he did early was absolutely brilliant. That short ball as well, shortly oh. after that try, where he put I think it was one of the props. Yeah, just straight straight through a gap. A gap scored again. Um, but yeah, he had, he did a, a bomb that went straight out. He had a few silly little plays, a few poor reads in defence. Um, yeah, and he, he took that weirdest thing in the match. A guy that's really composed normally at the back end of the game, and he had the I think it was a seventy second minute or so. They had the advantage, and they were three points down. So he decided first of all that he would go for the with, drop kick with the penalty with yeah. the advantage penalty advantage. Yeah. So that's the time you, you chance your arm and you go for the try. Then when they actually got the penalty awarded because he missed the kick, they then decided to go for the try, even though that's probably the time you want to settle, take the points. And I mean, this is a game where you don't get a draw. It goes into extra time. So it was probably even more valuable in that sort of sense. And they went for the try and they got the line out turned over. So it was just a really couple, a couple minutes of just strange decisions there. Um, and that was definitely headed by uh, Mitch Hunt with that drop kick. I thought it was very strange. Not not only was that a weird decision, but I thought it was a bit telling from Aaron Smith that he lost a bit of composure as well. Yep. To me, I read that as him being really frustrated by the fact that Mitch Hunt took the shot at goal and went, you idiot, we should have gone for touch. We should have had a crack at them. And then doing it when he probably shouldn't have straight afterwards when there was no second guess. And then they turned the line out over. So the execution yep. from the Highlands pretty poor. 
Mm. I think um, the last point out of this one was it was the first of the two matches this week and it showed the difference with penalties. The penalty count was 17. I think it was 11 to 6, um, which is half the games pretty much, roughly half the, half the penalties in the games previously, especially in that, that week one. And I think they cleaned up what they were talking about as well. You know, they said that they wanted to give more benefit to the attacking team. I think there was only one moment where I thought they were a little hard done by on someone diving over the ball uh, in this game as well. So really, I think the refs refereed it very, very well. Yep. I think it was quite a while until the first penalty. There was just, which was refreshing, you know. I think it was a good 25, 30 minutes. I could be wrong. But, um, yep. Uh, that, that was great. Um, all right, on to the match stats. Um, they were pretty even. Um, in the end, it was 54 to 46% possession. So both had plenty of time to um, take their chances. The, real, the only really big difference were the, um, the metres. So the Blues, 397 run metres to 262. So they just used, uh, used more of their ball. Um, and yet, I mean, they had some fantastic runners. Um, Caleb Clark really opening, <laughs> opening up the field. Um, tackle bus 17 to 15. So there were quite a lot of bus line breaks, six to four. So it was good seeing, um, it was, was it raining the first half or was it just dewy? I can't remember. It was, it was raining. Dewy, yeah. We, mm. we were expecting it to be rainy, but mm. the, the, it looked like it was really slippery. Like there were a lot of handling errors. It looked like it was, must've been oil on the ball. Like, yeah. Yeah, Someone crazy. soaked them up to try and stop the bugs transferring for front <laughs> I was at the pub for this one, so I couldn't. I can't be sure, but there couldn't have been more handling errors than the next game, I think. But, um, oh, there was a lot, though. You reckon? Okay, <laughs> very good. All right, Nels, do you want to take us through the uh, the fantasy fantasy points for this one? Yeah, I think this shows why the the Blues got it done. It was actually a pairing of man of the matches: Dalton Papali'i from the forward pack and Caleb Clark on the wing, flanker and winger, both getting sixty three points. Dalton Papali'i got two tries from his nine runs, 41 metres. He had two line breaks, uh, an offload, and he made nine tackles. Caleb Clark, absolute freak. This guy got one try, one try assist, seven runs for 77 metres, made two line breaks, made an offload. He made two turnovers as a winger. That's probably coming from his sevens history there, but he was an absolute freak. And just on the point of Dalton Papali'i as well, um, he spends more time on the wing than Caleb Clark anyway, doesn't he? <laughs> so if he keeps getting starts, I think he's a smoky, good, loose forward pick, isn't he? Quite potentially. He's um, going from strength to strength as well. I think he's fantastic. Blake Gibson. Yeah, I, said, I mean, yeah, we've said yeah. see a champ about 50 times, Blake Gibson, but see a champ. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, for the Blues, Alex Hodgman got 48 points, which is a pretty good showing, especially for him. While the Highlanders, Marino Machielli, Tu'u got 48 points. Shannon Frizzell got 45. Aaron Smith got 40. Interestingly, Hoskins Satutu got 35 or so. He didn't even crack that, you know, 40-point buffer, even though he had quite a strong game. But I think it is worthwhile noting that Machielli, Tu'u also had a really solid game. Yeah, that was number eight for the team of the week. We said we were excited about that uh, back row matchup, and they they did deliver Oh, think, um, yeah, Shannon Frizzell. Hard running from all of them. Shannon Frizzell must have been listening when you talked junk about him last week, mate. <laughs> 16 out of 16 tackles, I think I saw from him. I can't it's believe you didn't deep. mention that. Huge. He wasn't in the match. Very good. Great try as well. That was, that was probably the best game well, I've been playing in a while. If, if you think about it, apart from talking up, we're excited to see that game. That really is a battle of four prospective people putting their hands up for the All Blacks number eight jersey. So... If you wanted to make a statement, that would be the time, really. Um, 
Well, very good. Does that, I think that'll do us for that game. Let's take us on to the Sunday fixture. We have the Crusaders at home uh, taking on the Chiefs. Harry? Yeah, so the Crusaders hadn't lost at home for 167 years. And in <laughs> one, the streak continues. Crusaders 18 to the Chiefs 13. Only two tries to one in what was actually a pretty tight affair the entire game, I think. Uh, returning, you had Sam Kane back. They, uh, they proved me wrong. They, you know, they gave him a cortisone injection last week and I said, if that's for a nerve, he's in big trouble. But obviously it wasn't because he's not in big trouble. He's completely fine. Um, he's come back from a broken neck. He's immune to pain, obviously. <laughs> that's fair. I didn't consider that. Uh, on top of that as well, you had a couple of people pulled uh, relatively late. You had Va'i, the lock was pulled with sickness kind of midweek. Solomon Alamalo got injured. No, sorry, was uh, named, but then got pulled 30 minutes pre-game for Ateni Nanai Saturo, also due to sickness, not the uh, COVID I've heard. And Mitch Karpik came on and within a few minutes got a concussion as well. Poor guy. Yeah. Sam Kane thought he was getting a rest, but no, he was brought back on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sam Kane, like you said, he's he doesn't feel pain. So uh, <laughs> just play 75 minutes, champ. That's it. A couple of interesting things out of this one was seeing, uh, as you said, Nanai Satoru come on. Uh, he actually got the jump over Sean Stevenson. Um, mm. I don't think he earned it. Did you guys think he did much when he was there? Or did yeah, he, did he, he was capitalize? He, yeah, he, he, he did a couple of good things. Uh, yeah. He had a couple of good touches. Yeah. He, he wasn't ex- as exciting as he has been in other chances. And I mean, this is a short I, season. So. I thought he was sold. I saw him bump someone. He made some good space. He didn't get a lot of chance, to be honest. And he made one or two uh, really good defensive plays in terms of he got yeah. back into the space they were going to kick a few times. It was very important. Oh, fair enough. I'll, I'll let my word. <laughs> um, he, he, he beat one defender. He ran 52 metres. Um, and he made four tackles. So that's, that's, if that's, that's good great. for you guys, that's good. All right. Uh, and another interesting thing was Bradley Slater. He was handed the start over Tokiaho, the guy that has absolutely killed it whenever he's had an opportunity. Um, you don't really rest guys against the Crusaders, so I, I can't take anything out of it. Then they were giving um, – they just didn't think he had the spot locked down. Well, you, don't, you don't leave the Ferrari parked in the garage. I don't know what they're doing there. Um, Tokyo really? is fantastic in all, in all facets of the game, as far as I'm concerned. They must really rate Radley Slater because in the first iteration of Super Rugby this year as well, Slater did get a couple of runs as well. So they obviously think he's a real prospect and you know someone's got to take that starting jersey in the next couple of years. I think it'll be up for grabs. So they're giving him the opportunity. Is it just me or does he look like a far less impressive Nathan Harris? And Nathan Harris he, already looks doesn't look very impressive. So... Um, but, he looks white and he's a hooker. <laughs> Maybe similar coloured hair. Is that is that what you're going for? Oh, I just well like he's the same frame and he just doesn't do anything that excites me. I mean, look, that's pretty oh, much Yeah. Yeah, he's not he's no flair about him. Bit he's, pudgy around the edges. Look, he's young. Give him time. Yeah. He's not Dane Coles, I'll give you that. He's not Dane Coles. But um something out of this match that I thought was was I don't know. It, it's I don't want to read too much into uh, Aaron Cruden. He just he made so many silly decisions, made quite a few turnovers, like losing the ball. Um, it was it was a game for him where he looked like all this weight was on his shoulders, and he thought he had to make the the Chiefs win this one. And he, he just seemed to to crack under that pressure. Um, Harry was frothing on the fact that he did a step once. 
Yeah. Um, I was going to say, so did I. It looked like he turned the clock back. I was like, sorry, yeah. what? Are we, are we Is this six years ago? He's, he's taking it to them. Right yeah. in the contact. Yeah. <laughs> I want him, though, as well. I was like, what? what's going on? Nelson rightly said that no one fell for it, but it looked good. <laughs> he, he stepped into Michael Alalatoa. Like, yeah. He didn't yeah. even have a round or anything, just straight into the guy. So, uh, there was once he made a line break, I, I swear, didn't he? He must have made one. He did, yeah, he did. But then yeah. he, 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 did he, he threw an offload to no one after uh, that. Yeah, that's right. Everichie, Moana's yeah. hands. So. He, he did a couple of good things, but it was just, he, he seemed stressed. It's, it's the kind of play yeah. that if he was 20 years old and yeah. playing, you would have gone, it was a really immature performance from a guy with a lot of potential. That's, that's how I looked at it. Maybe he's been reborn after COVID. Maybe that's what it is. He's a new man. 10-3. Half time, only one try, and that was to Will Jordan. Again, on the back of Sebu Reese just kind of doing all the work. I think it was a crossfield kick from Richie Moe kicked it, I think. I think so. And it was that little chip over the top. Sebu, uh, Damian McKenzie jumped for it and just completely oh. fluffed it. Sebu Reese through the it. line, Will Jordan support. Those two were just phenomenal together. So electric. Really, really good seeing them. The Crusaders really use, and with Richie, they use the kick interchangeably with the pass. Like, he's that accurate. It's unbelievable. His short kicking game is outrageous. <laughs> and the damage it's doing to defensive line is, lines is crazy. I, I think he's the, they're the only team in the world who have a good answer to line speed at the moment. The mm. only team in the world. And I, don't, I mean, I'm counting South Africa. I'm counting England. They play physical. But Richie Moonga's kicking game, he, they turn him around and they, they put everyone on the back foot. It's crazy. Is- I agree. I would like to watch the Crusaders play the Springboks. I'm, I'm all for that. Um. <laughs> R.I.P. Springboks. <laughs> Did, didn't they at the World Cup? But yeah, fair. Okay. No, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's right. And they won, actually. So, yeah. Look, on, on the back of the, uh, of the halftime break, Yet again, Severus and Will Jordan scored another try. This one, Nelson and I, we had a bit of a uh, discussion about the... There was an, a tap-on, I think, was that the Aaron Cruden tap-on? It was. Aaron Cruden tapped the ball on to absolutely mm. nobody. Ball went out. Severus picked it up oh, from yeah. in, in the middle of the signs and quickly mm. saw Will Jordan coming down oh. the short side. Through the quick line-out, Jordan went over and scored the try. Untouched. Right. Well, Aaron Cruden was busy arguing with the ref that he tapped the ball into no one and it was the Crusaders' fault. Great opportunist try. And, I mean, it just it showed a difference of attitude there. You know, the Crusaders were always ready to attack and keep fighting for this game. And um, the, the Chiefs just were distracted. I think it was a... They, I mean, they weren't switched on to, to stop that. And that's something that you've always got to be ready. If the ball goes out and there's a potential, you, you've got to be able to stop and prepare for that line-out or... I, I got the feeling, let's see what you guys think. Um, you know, in the pregame, they were talking a lot about um, how the Chiefs just find a way to get under the Crusaders' skin uh, like no one else can with a bit of niggle. And I feel like they just, they just weren't able to do that this time. They just couldn't seem... Any, nothing they were doing was unsettling the Crusaders, it kind of felt like, in the first half at least. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what did you think of uh, Cullen Grace's, you know, first two, two games of Super Rugby out there as well, Craig's? But I barely noticed he was playing. Um, no, just comparatively, he's been pretty quiet. Um, I think I think Blackout has been quite good off the bench. You know, he's surprised me a little bit as someone that we haven't seen a lot of as an Australian uh, rugby fan. Um, yeah. He's been really good. I wouldn't surprise me if he actually gets a start. I think I think one thing out of this it, it shows there's been quite a bit of time for 
good teams, good coaching staff to be able to, to understand how certain players play. You know, we always talk about the second year syndrome um, for a lot of players. They make their breakout season, then teams have times to understand how they play and, and they can actually put things in place to shut them down a little bit more. And maybe that's what we're seeing here. Maybe we're seeing a second year syndrome but it's all within the same year because this coronavirus, there's been months in between that teams could understand how he plays. Maybe he's not as confident rolling into this one. A few different things happened. When you're fighting for your position, it might be a slightly different attitude as well. Maybe there's just a few little factors that are going in there together where he's, he's getting read a little bit better. I thought maybe it's no Tom Christie. So oh, Alan Grace's game was so good as a running player, but Tom mm. Christie was making 20-odd tackles a game, 18 tackles <laughs> All a game. All the tackles. And making every single one. So, yeah. you know, obviously uh, Billy Harmon's a little bit more of an attacking player compared to Christie. And maybe that that sh- that weight has just shifted back to Callan Grace as the six to be the physical defender as well. Yeah. Um, I think that it seems like he's definitely been told that's his role, I'd say. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, I think I think when he burst onto the scene in the first half of the season, they didn't he they didn't expect him to play. Like I think there was a, a few injuries, so then he came on and it was just kind of like an open canvas. Like have, try your best, do whatever you want, son. He and made um, nineteen tackles on the weekend. Grace did. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he's a good player. Don't don't get us wrong, but yeah, it's he's just not standing out as much. Um, after sixty three minutes, this was a really interesting stat. Um, I suppose it's it's talking a little bit more of wet weather footy and, and the ball was a little bit sloppy, a little bit wet. Um, but it, the stat was based on where the balance of the teams were in attack, where they were playing off. Were they playing off the 9, the 10, the 15? Um, for the Crusaders, they were playing off the 9, 70% of the time. They're playing off the 10, 20% of the time and the fullback, 10% of the time. Um, for the Chiefs, it was pretty similar numbers, 66% off the 9, 22% off the 10, 12% off fullback. So it just shows... The game shortened up, tightened up a, a fair bit. Um, yet you still get to see, you know, the the tries were out wide. The, it was the wingers scoring for the um, for the Crusaders, and there was a lot of opportunity out on the on the wings. Um, so I just thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, it felt like a lot more shovel ball just with the yeah. um, with the wet weather for sure. Yeah. Or kicking if you're a Moonga. Mm, so eighteen points to three reasonably late into the game. And then the Chiefs finally started to find their mojo. So obviously fitness isn't their problem. They they finished much stronger, I thought, than the Crusaders. But having said that, obviously the Crusaders probably felt like the, the job was done. They scored the last 10 points, a penalty and a converted try. Um, and Damian McKenzie, Sean Wanui, Tenny Nano Satoru, I thought all three of the back three players really came into their own. And Sean Wainui did what Sean Wainui does, and that is score tries out of nothing as well. Mm. Just continuing to impress me. I, I don't know where he... I don't know how he's as good as he is. That's that's the honest truth. But he's really effective. Say it say it like it is, Harry. You don't like his face. But I think, just somehow, he just seems to kill it. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to do it. I think it's just... Yeah, he's certainly... He's grown on us. I feel like... The reason we didn't like him is because he came into the Chiefs as kind of an extended squad player. And then we just always felt like when he was on, he was taking up the space, which could have been some other player that we loved. They, they always <laughs> had the flair, right? They always had yeah. Masaturo, they had D-Mac, they had Pulu, they had 
Um, Alamalo, they always had this flair and he just didn't fit that role. And he's probably something that they need in their back three. They need that stable, solid player, settle things down, run it in tight and do his job. He's the Kiwi Rob Vaughan. That's he how we is, described him is. on the weekend. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. He's out of his skin in a position that he just doesn't seem to fit. <laughs> <laughs> just works hard. So that's very my, good. My favourite stat looking at these first two games, that now that we're getting to the back end of this one, was the penalties from the first three rounds of Super Rugby. Nigel Yeldon, uh, everyone knows the... Uh, the uh, at, at Nigel Yeldon, everyone knows him. Uh, total penalties for Super Rugby, Aotearoa in the first three rounds. Number one, you had 58 penalties in the two games. Round two, 49 penalties. And round three, 33 penalties. So huge improvement in this one. Eight each, so 16 total, the lowest so far. And yeah. the flow of the game was good despite the handling errors and the horrendous weather. I'll point out one thing that I did notice in the game, and I did see people talking about it, is the Crusaders did seem to slow that ball down a fair bit. They were lying on the ball a lot more than in the previous two weeks when teams just couldn't get away with it. So, I mean, that's probably a positive for them, you know? Like, if the ref's not pinging it, slow it down. But... It, there's going to have to be some form of balance. We, we liked the fact that the game flowed, that there were there was benefit to the attacking team. But it, there was a few occasions, I think, the Crusaders really should have been pinged for slowing things down there. You answered my question. I was going to say, uh, what, what percentage do we attribute that to a change in refereeing versus a change in, in playing style? Um, and I think, I think it's clearly been a change in refereeing. I think the message I, I think- has come down from the top. In the attacking side, I, I agree with you. But defensively, I think teams are clearing the ball very, very quickly. I don't think you're seeing any tackler getting anywhere near the ball. There's only one occasion I could well, think of, I, and it didn't get pinged on the weekend. I, I don't necessarily think that that's too much of a factor. I think last week the big issue was the defensive team, as soon as they touched the ball, they got the penalty awarded to them. The player mm. was holding on. So, I mean, as a, a flanker, you're not going to go, well, they gave us penalties nonstop for touching a ball when we didn't deserve it. Let's stop doing that. You know, I, I don't think it was necessarily the influence of making the choice not to go for that. I think it was just they, they were policing a little bit differently. Surely at some point, the uh, referees need to acknowledge what everyone knows, and that is the Crusaders will give away penalties in their own 22, no matter what happens, to stop a try being scored. And they need to concede more yellow cards. At some stage, someone has to actually say they do it every single time they're down here for mm. the last five years. I think that's fair. Um, all right. Now, look, before I move on to the, the match stats, the last point I was going to say, I'm not sure if we already brought it up and I just tuned out, but uh, DMAC, uh, I, I think he's been looking better and better uh, with each week. So just kind of more of those probing runs. Um, you know, when I say probing runs, it genuinely involves him running directly across field and then picking some line and to just turn at a sharp angle and, and hit it. Um, yeah, I've been worst, very excited by that. Yeah, his worst statistical match. So you're, you're basing this on 39. Yeah. No, no, but less, less line breaks and run meters, all this sort of stuff. Mm. He, he's probably doing more of what we expect in terms of we can visually see him doing things, maybe less, less controlling the side and, and things like that. Is that, is that how you... That, that's what I mean. I feel like he's, he's, he's back to probing, to trying to, find, to, to, trying to really create stuff. Um, and it feels like he just doesn't have the support men. Uh, there's, uh, people aren't running lines off that like they normally would. But, um, I, re- I really want to see Alamo Lowe back in there because he is a gun at uh, turning up in the right place. And um, we all know he will be next week, but 
I thought that was in the last 20 minutes for McKenzie. You know, he started, but he did a lot of sideways running, yeah. trying to find space. And, and the Chiefs' defensive line was very good. There was nothing there for them. So, you know, still 60 minutes of him not really. Why was the Chiefs' defensive line trying to stop him? Crusaders' line is what he meant. Um, <laughs> very good. All right. Well, so into the. Trying to stop <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, it's like he's like Kobe. On the field, he just sees all the opposition. It's hard to pass to anyone. Um, no, uh, very good. All right. Uh, for match stats, uh, the Crusaders, they don't need the ball to beat you. So um, they had 38% possession. Um, and, and amazingly, they only they passed the ball half as many times. So 88 passes to 162. Nice. So um, clearly DMAC was passing too much. Uh, that's all I'll say. But um, no, our territory, similar story, 37% to 63%. Chiefs had almost 70%, 69% in the second half. So... Crusaders just do what they do and they just pin you down and don't let you through. I don't know how they do it. But uh, tackle bus 14 to the Crusaders, 21 to the Chiefs. Line breaks was the only difference. Five to the Crusaders and two to the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs let in offloads, even on penalties. So, um, yes, the Crusaders definitely didn't favour that. They just don't need the ball. I think we've always said the Highlanders are the team that don't need the ball to hurt you in recent years, but Crusaders very much the same. Absolutely. Their defence is just so strong. Better game management, better defence. Richie Moe's kicking game. Cody Taylor was the fantasy man of the match with 58 points, so no massive scores in this one. Four runs for him for 26 metres, so not huge. He had a tackle bust, a line break, a turnover, but made 14 of his 15 tackles. And, you know, that's important to note going into round one of draft rugby this week that your front rowers with a big work work rate, they do make double the points on their tackles as well. So that's where his points really came from. Uh, Bonus point there, Mikey Alatoa also made 14 of 14 tackles. So, yeah. Big unit. Good man. And uh, also from the Crusaders, Will Jordan got 50, as you'd expect, with a couple of tries. I actually thought he probably would have been the man of the match because of that, but didn't quite get in there. And Sam Whitelock, 41 points as well. Not normally a huge fantasy scorer, so good from him. To, uh, to score some points as well. From the Chiefs, no one cracked the Magic 40 mark, but Brad Weber and DMAC did get 39. Which is basically a, f- a fail in the book of DMAC. Um, 100%. So, yeah. You said it was his best game. Uh, not statistically. So, um, yes, moving on. All right, that concludes our entree. Let's get stuck into the main course and uh, we can talk about four games coming up this weekend. How good. Um, but first off, the buys. So in Super Rugby Aotearoa, the Blues have the buy this week. So how good for them? They've gone in three nil, um, and they get a rest week to regather. So very good. Two weeks and, for Crusaders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need that. I feel, I feel like you need that. Um, and the Force uh, are the first team with the buy um, Super Rugby because I guess uh, Rugby Australia wants to prevent them from playing as long as possible. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> just can we put it off another week or something? Um, <laughs> Trying to give them some time, maybe. That's it. But anyway, kicking us off on Friday night, we have the Reds and Waratahs, the old foes uh, up in Queensland. Um, And who wants to rip in on that? So injuries for this one, uh, Mm. you've got Brendan Payenga Amosa coming back from his ankle injury. Uh, I expect him to be on the bench behind Alex Murphy. They haven't confirmed that he will play, but just time frames from when he went down, it makes complete sense unless something was horribly wrong, which I don't think it is. And uh, Hunter Faisami as well, that basically confirmed that he's been training fully with the squad since everyone's been back from his MCL knee injury, the ligament on the inside of the knee there. So uh, good. good to hear that he should be starting in the centres as well. Yep. Returning. About, about him. Rangers to the squad mainly. 
Uh, you got Kurtley Beal and Damian Fitzpatrick. Damian Fitzpatrick has retired. I uh, would have loved to see him play, to be honest. But he's um, been solid. Yeah. So you know, I think he he came out and said, "I, I won't be remembered for being spectacular, but hopefully." People know that I gave everything, and I 100% agree with that. I think he is an excellent, excellent player, underrated, and uh, and really happy that he was on our side as a Waratahs fan. Yep. What a, what a turnaround! What a turnaround, though, just because he said at the start of the year he was stoked he'd been playing some of his best footy, and the new Wallabies coach, he was really hoping that this could be the the final shot. I mean, he he had an injury plagued career, but yeah. um, I wonder what's um what's going uh, on there. It's a, it was a long time away from footy, and the body is going to respond differently to you returning to that and how much work he did off that period of time and maybe just got too much. He also weighs about 80 kilos for a hooker. That could be his problem. That's true. I can donate him some, Matt. All this time <laughs> off has not done well for me. So. Currently, Beale has been released early to go to Racing 92 or Racing. Uh, Henry Spate is gone, released early as well. Where did he go? Do you remember? Uh, no. He went to France or something. something he, went to, he went to France, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just moving. He's just following the sunshine. He moves up to Queensland, gets some sun, and now he's like, nah, it's winter, so it's France, let's do it. Very well documented by that Isaac Rodder, Harry Hawkins, and Isaac Lucas all gone for the Reds as well. The Reds didn't need them, did they? No? No, they got plenty of locks. Um, yeah, look, this is the first match of Super Rugby AU, something we're extremely keen for. Friday night footy, something that's going to be good to have back. Um, so I've, I've missed it the last few weeks, that's for sure. Especially now that I'm not working Fridays. That's new. That's good. Um, it's going to be Wallaby potential versus Wallaby potential. Hooper versus Wright. Angus Bell versus Tupo. Gordon versus McDermott. This is going to be exciting. This this used to be a fixture that they called Battle of the Border. There was lots of blood. There was lots of sledging. There was lots of anger. Um, and it's been something that's been lost a little bit in, in recent years, I think. But... Uh, New South Wales have taken the first shot at trying to bring him back. They've brought in uh, Paul Gallen, who's a, a long-term New South Wales State of Origin player from Rugby League. He's come and had a chat to the younger players and things like that about the hate for New South Wales and uh, hate, for New South Wales. Uh, hate for Queensland and trying to well, beef up that... that uh, you beef that, that one up. Match. These are matches that you used to remember, like Croft and Phil Ward pouring blood by the end of the game. And, and hopefully we're seeing some anger back in this one. I remember Gallen. He came into the, the physio clinic because I'm, I'm down near the Sharkies uh, the night after, the day after or State of Origin round three a couple of years ago. And his head had been cut, no, cut open. He was battered and bruised. He looked like he'd been indebted a boxing match. It was just insane so i'm hoping that he can inspire just a little bit of that aggression physicality in the waratahs players there's a lot lots of mates in these two teams so hopefully they want to smash each other and i love these chat boys but that's far too much talk on rugby league so let's move along um Um, so look this is a match that over the why i think one of the reasons why it's lost some of that um the aggression and, and emotion behind it is the waratahs have just dominated this for a really long period of time they've actually won 11 matches in a row which is absolutely crazy. Um, the last time they actually lost was the first game back from that Lions tour in 2013. So generally, it has been a high-scoring match, especially in recent years. But um, I don't think it's going to necessarily go all the way of the Waratahs this one. So it'll be interesting to see. It'd be some effort for the Waratahs to come back and beat the Reds in Queensland this year with how they were all... Both teams were looking before the break. But uh, look... 
they're actually the two worst performing sides in our opinions when we were discussing this uh, yep. in Super Rugby from the Australian Conference. <clears throat> the Reds technically sitting above the Rebels, but had played an extra game and were even on points and, and one had one down. less win as yep. well. Um, the Reds, they, they really sold in patches, you know, had an excellent game against the Crusaders over in New Zealand where they managed to blow a lead. Um, but they still just, for us, they don't know how to win. Yeah, they they don't know how to win those close moments. So it's a little bit like the Blues in Super Rugby over the last four or five years, and we've seen that that can be quite a big hurdle to jump. On the other hand, the Waratahs were very very average. I think we were seeing the uh, the effects from he who shall not be named that coached the Waratahs for the last few years, who butchered not only a lot of careers from the starting side, but also the next generation by not getting them any game time as well. And uh, he, he won't be mentioned again, even though he wasn't this time. Um, it was all a master plan from uh, the, across, across the ditch. That's right. But Penny came in and, and uh, has <laughs> put it right. Has put it right. Also part of the plan or I don't know. We'll see. Look, I think something we're going we're gonna to note from Penny here is the chance to actually give these younger players the opportunity um, and give them a crack, something that has been notably missing from the Waratahs. So the Reds have been good at building their younger players, giving them opportunities. And, and that's something that you can see there. Maybe they're lacking a little bit of that experience, but the young players have been really, really solid. The Tars, I mean, they've now lost Kirtley Beal, so they've lost a little bit of that experience. They've lost Damien Fitzpatrick. So a few of the younger guys are going to be thrown into the deep end a little bit more with um, their maturity and, and control of the game. Will Harrison's one that comes to mind. Um, but uh, look, it's a game I'm generally really excited for. Uh, with Beal gone, Maddox is going to be shifting to fullback, his preferred position. He's adamant that that's where he wants to be playing, and he wants to be playing for the Wallabies, even though there's been rumours out that he might be looking offshore, especially to the US. But the thing that the Tars need is they need some grunt. The, the Reds have just lost a little bit of that grunt. The Tars, I think if they're going to bring that grunt in, there's a few guys that hopefully can offer that because a lot of the starters just have not been doing it this year. Um, I'd love to see someone like Will Harris have a chance. He's the number you mean eight. Harry Wilson? No, Will Harris. Will Harrison? No, Will Harris. Ah. Um, he's, he's the guy that kept Harry Wilson for the, the people that know him from the Reds. Um, he kept him out of his position for the Aussie under 20, shifting him and relegating him to the blindside flank just last year. Yeah, just last mm. year. So he's got a lot of potential and he's quite a physical, aggressive player. Some Something that I think the Waratahs really need. Also, Pat Taffer, he's quite an aggressive physical player as well. The issue is both of them can play lock, but neither of them really have the height for lock. Oh, Pat Taffer, I think, is a lock. I'll be honest. I mean, he's like probably, what, 196, 195, something like that. I don't know. I, I didn't think it either until I went and saw him in um, a uh, like Waratahs B-side game. Um, he's he's big enough to be a lock, I th- and I think he's a bit too slow. I think he is a lock. So he's big enough compared to you. Look, the other thing is, if Will <laughs> Harris is a really good line-out jumper, he could be the next Ned Hannigan. Oh, Ned Hannigan back is back. There's one thing. <laughs> so here you go. Pat, Pat Tarver is one ninety four. So that is very short for a lock. Um, at a, well, you at know, a like this, Mitchell Brown is about the same height for the Chiefs, and he's. I think he's a six plane lock. I just don't see him as a starting log at all, despite the fact that they've been playing in there. So I'm with you. I don't think that's big enough. <clears throat> it's also because I just want him to play lock because who the hell do we playing lock? So. Tom Santaforth, mate. Yeah, mate. He's Benjamin Button. He's like he's aging backwards. He's, he seems like 90 years old. Yeah. 
Agreed. <laughs> look, the, look yeah. the, the, the big question mark over the Waratahs right now is the outside centre channel. I just don't think that they've had anyone really grab that and run with it. Um, I know, Nelson, you were, you were thinking that there's some good raps on a young man. Young? Mid, yeah. Middle 20s. Mid 20s, yeah. yeah. Nick, Nick Malouf coming across back as the vice captain from the seventh side. Yeah, Nick Malouf was a flanker that transitioned into the outside backs. Really wanted to give Chancey's arm at sevens. But prior to that, played a few years for Leicester um, over in the English, English, English? English League. Um, he was there for two seasons, playing wing slash outside centre. Um, and I think he brings leadership, something that the team needs, especially after losing um, Beal. He brings maturity and he's quite a solid player. He knows how to throw the ball around. He knows how to defend. He's got a lot of those skills that I'd love to see actually get given a chance. I don't think we'll see him at the very start of the season, but he's a guy that, I mean, realistically could have a chance to work his way into this squad. Lalakai Fokedi is someone that's been playing there a little bit. Alex Newsom's been playing there a little bit, but neither of them have really locked down that 13 jersey. Yeah, yeah that's good. I think, look, you touched on it before about um, Rob Penny t- trying new players. And, man, if he had a license to be able to do that before as a new coach uh, in a, with a young team, new coach, young team, new competition, like he's, he'll, he'll try, he can try anything. There's got to be nothing stopping him after that that first part of the season, right? I mean, he was chancing his arm a little bit and, and there's not much expected from him now. So, I mean, there's no better time to bring in these guys. We saw the Lions do it. Most notably, I think, when, when they weren't having performances go their way, just bringing in some of the, the younger players and, and hopefully it's something we see more of at the task. Yeah. Great. The, the other question is, what is the, you know, what do the Reds do with their second row now that they've lost their first choice and third choice lock? Angus Blythe will obviously start there, but Isaac Rod is their pillar and, and I believe their line-out caller as well. Yeah. Um, Lukan Salakai-Loto mm-hmm. is the obvious option. I think they just have to push him into the uh, locking jersey for this year as well, at, at least while they try and develop some of their younger guys. I know they've brought in... Uh, yeah, Smith, who is a uh, who is Smith? Uh, uh, either way, anyway, they they brought in a you know mid twenties bloke that uh, has been on the fringe of a couple of different squads that is obviously not going to be challenging for a, a starring starter role. So Salakai Lato Angus Blythe for for me will start, and then uh, obviously that opens up the six channel for who knows who Fraser McBride. I know is Nelson's favourite pick because if you ask Nelson, open side flankers should play in every position. Yeah, pretty much. No, look, there's there's <laughs> there's two people that could potentially fill that role. Um, you could see Wright shift across to blindside flank, and his McDonald's related brother Mick Wright coming in to open side flanker. Or we could also see another potential. Angus Scott Young filling that six void. He's been there for a little while. He, I think he's a quality player, but I really just want to see Mick Wright have a crack. I have to say, I'd be surprised if we don't see Angus Scott Young, but uh, I previously had a bet with you, Nelson, about whether we would see Mick Wright and Liam Wright on the field at the same time in six and seven. I don't think I'll retake that bet up with you again uh, now. It's so. going to happen, mate. It's definitely... <laughs> Look, the, the other question is, who the hell is the hookers for the Waratahs? Robbie Abel is one option. Tuala. Can we have can we have Hugh Roach back? He got red carded for the Crusaders, but he got to play with them for a while. Can he come back? Honestly, that's probably quite a good thing. <laughs> you know, like bring bring Roachy back. 
Um, yeah, we've got what we've got. Uh, I always liked him. Robbie Abel, yeah. Robbie Abel's brother. Hopefully he was over there just taking notes. Do you know what I mean? Just like recording training or something. That's what I would have been doing. But uh, yeah. sell that IP anywhere. It's a... <laughs> Mate, it, we all know that spending three months with the Crusaders is spending 20 years with the Waratahs. So That's fair. He's better than he's ever been. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, does that round us out for the Tars and Reds? I think so. Excited about that one. Um, are we calling? Who, who do we? Who do we think? Uh, Reds. Four at Tars. Eleven in a row, mate. You can't break a streak. You can, and they will. Hopefully I have to not. S- I have to say, I'm also going to go with the Reds. Sorry, Harry. Turmoil, mate. Look, turmoil in Queensland. Look, I, I will put a little little note here that if we see a few new players starting for the Tars with uh, aggressive players, maybe there's been a lot of turmoil there for the Reds. If we do see. Pat Taffer in the lineup. If we do see see um, Will Harris in the lineup, maybe we'll we'll have some aggression. Guys that really really want it, but some of the guys just have not been wanting it. So if they're in the squad, the, the lineup from before, we're not going to see it. I just can't wait for Angus Bell versus Tupo. That's going to yep. really get my rocks off. Um, that part of the scrum just. Let's kick on, gentlemen. I agree. Let's do it. All right. Back to New Zealand rugby. Super rugby, Aotearoa. Highlanders and the Crusaders under the roof in Dunedin. Going to be the best footy. Cannot wait. This game always delivers. Um, It's always extremely physical and a lot of free-running rugby. So going to be very exciting. Returning for this one, Josh Iwani uh, coming back from a groin injury. I mean, he's very close to being confirmed. He's got to get through some kicking this week. But uh, if he does that, then he should be fine. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, as we touched on earlier, we would expect to see Mitch Hunt back to 15 because they have had very limited success so far with Gregory and Nareki um, both playing a game each there. So, Corroy. Corroy. Corroy, sorry. What was I saying? Oh, Nareki, yeah, Corroy. Yeah. Corroy, my bad. Uh, excellent. All right, Harry, Harry, do you want to rip into this one for us? Yeah, absolutely. So Sam Gilbert, obviously, we expect he won't be around considering the struggle to walk around that knee. So maybe Josh McCain on that wing is the obvious sub. Push Michan, or maybe Gregory to the wing, but I think he needs to have a sit down after his what performance. What about Karate Kid? Uh, I think he's injured. No, bro, yeah. I think sure Gregory got sat down, both, both figuratively and literally. Yeah. Uh, look, it'll be played under the roof. And is there any better place to watch the Crusaders' black backline run around? I don't think so. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say other than watch out. Anybody playing the Crusaders in dry conditions this is going to be absolute trouble. You, I don't want to defend them. Are you two just going to put? Are you two just going to put a tenner on every back in the Crusaders for first oh, try scorer? Anytime try scorer. Yeah. Look. Actually, I wouldn't mind defending them because they're so much better that I wouldn't actually put a hand on them. So I'd come off spot free, but yeah, it wouldn't go well for me. Um, look, sure, David Avili gets a start. I know he's coming back from his injury, but he's played a few minutes now. Will Jordan has been exceptional. So who do you drop? Isn't I had this discussion with a few people over the weekend. I have no idea, Nels. I think we said Josh Goodyear is probably in the worst form and he's still excellent. Yeah, <laughs> Jack could you? Jack could you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or Josh could you? Um, yeah. No. Look, I think it's hard. Havili's first choice is not going to be at inside centre. But if we were coaches and we're going based on form, he's the guy for me. Yeah. Which we're not coaches. All right. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, something that we'd love to see Nehem Milnaskara. He is not back yet. We think for at least another week. Um, but yeah, look, this Crusaders defense showed itself 
last week against a, a lot of flair with the Chiefs. Um, in the pouring rain, and as Harry touched on, the, the outside backs look really, really solid. So it's going to be scary. Uh, Highlanders have looked much improved in with six tries. Um, but, yeah, look, for me, I, I just can't see where the Highlanders are going to get over the Crusaders here. Um, so, so four of their six tries were through the forwards, right? Three from kind of in tight pick and goes, that kind of thing. And one from in a rolling ball. And, yeah, and, and we saw the Chiefs try rolling mall attack against the Crusaders and literally not make a single metre off three attempts. So we throw that try out and then the other three in tight. I just don't believe the Crusaders give you that much space in tight to score points. So I can't see how the Highlanders score more than a try or two in this game. And basically the only way that means they can possibly win is if they can, number one, hold the Crusaders to not many, which is almost impossible, and score a lot of penalty kicks themselves. So it's going to come down to Mitch Hunt or Joshuaana kicking very well. The, the I one, expect Mitch Hunt. The one avenue maybe that's going to work in their favour here is if they have both of those guys playing, both guys with the ability to kick and, and kick for field uh position if they're doing that a lot they've been so solid in the scrum they've had 27 out of 28 lineouts to date in this competition so that's probably their strong suit if you're not coaching them to say let's kick to the corners let's back our line out because how solid it has been with Parry Parkinson and the rest of those boys there I don't know what you're going to be trying to do against these guys don't kick the ball in field it's not going to work for you kick it out and back your line out I agree. And we said, Harry, it was, it was amazing that they, the Highlanders added a rolling mall to their game that we hadn't previously seen um, yeah. with Ash Dixon guest scoring a try in round one. But um, I just don't see them overpowering the Crusaders with that. One more point from there is, yeah, Harry and I did talk, though, although they're good at lineouts, you're not going to get a driving mall try against them. Yeah. You just cannot get a driving mall try against the Crusaders. Actually watching them on the weekend, they have a very different seeming defensive structure compared to normal. They're not setting, you know, three, two, one, and and forming that forward pack, that scrum to almost to, to defensively block it. They spread and try to just cover that whole defensive, uh, cover that whole more. Yep. And I uh, I mentioned Tom Christie as well. I, we haven't heard where he's at. I, I believe he's injured, but I've heard nothing. So I haven't even put it on the casualty ward. But I've just heard some rumours about that. I think that might be all it is just because he's not in the team. But uh, surely we need to see more out of Fetu Douglas, uh, Billy Harmon and, and Cullen Grace. They need some... I, I remember Billy Harmon making some incredible, an incredible catch and pass on in the first game. But otherwise, really, they haven't been overly effective for me compared to some of the other players, uh, some of the other teams. And considering uh, Tu'u, Michele Tu'u and uh, Brazil's games... No. In the last game, I think um, those two outside backs and Dylan, sorry, out, uh, back rowers and Dylan Hunt as well, that's a real advantage for the okay. Highlanders at okay. the moment as well. Yeah, yeah, Vetu particularly has been, I feel like he's been very quiet. Um, he's normally yeah. the, the workman. Like, he's not normally very flashy, but um, you just normally notice him still getting through a lot of work and I haven't, haven't as much seen, seen so yeah, much. Crusaders by 12? Yep. More. No, I'm, I'm going to go by more. Yeah. Crusaders by I'm going to go Crusaders by 17. There we oh, go. They only beat the Chiefs by five on the weekend. You know the Highlanders beat them. Under the, roo- under the roof, mate. Several race, two tries at least. Okay, I'm going to say 15. So you reckon under the roof is better for the Crusaders than in the rain? Well, Crusaders dominated in the rain, so they're they going everywhere. Yeah. I think every set of conditions favours the Crusaders, but uh, but under the roof <laughs> is best. <laughs> um, yes. All right. Now, very good. Let's move on to the other game. So following that. Back-to-back games on Saturday. How good. 
Brumbies and the Rebels. Uh, this is Canberra, GIO Stadium. If the yep. Rebels, uh, the Rebels left, I think they're leaving tomorrow, leaving very early to try and... No, they left last Friday. Oh, sorry, they left last Friday. That's right. They left super early just to escape Victoria and hopefully they're the only Victorians being allowed um, up into New South Wales. But, um, and, and, as, and as you're obviously aware, I mean... Number one, Canberra, not part of New South Wales. Craig's just to put that out there. It, I think you'll, you'll think you'll find it's inside New South Wales, though. They have to... Uh... Righto. And uh, on top of that, for those that aren't in Australia, yeah, Victoria have had a breakout of the coronavirus at the moment. I think 70-something new cases today, so 40-something yesterday. So at the moment, Australia's panicked a little bit about what's going on in Melbourne. So that's why they've left. And I, I think that could definitely serve as a good point for them to uh to hopefully come together and uh and have a chance to really change their culture and get close yeah they're, they're going to be on tour and they're going to be you know relying on each other a lot through this period of time I, I can't see them heading back to melbourne anytime soon queensland have actually shut down basically their systems and, and their borders to a lot of places but if you're a team and you're playing someone from melbourne or you're playing in melbourne things like that they're going to just force you to have a two-week lockdown um, so that's why the Rebels moved early, preempted that, um, so make sure that they didn't have to worry about that two-week you know, lockdown. Yep. And I was going to wait till the um, dessert, but it seems relevant now. There was uh, Beth Newman, um, a, unfortunately now ex-Rugby Australia journo. Um, it's just been saying that the, the Rebels' round two home game has obviously already been relocated, uh, but it's looking like the following two games, so July 24 against the Tars, August 7th, 7th against the Brumbies, are very likely looking at being moved now as as well. So I hope um, Rugby AU has kind of, you know, made alternate plans, like as they've set this competition yeah. up. Obviously, they've only been recently setting up fixtures. but um, They're going think- ahead with the match in New South Wales. It's, yeah. um, they've already said the, the next week's match against the Reds will um, be in New South Wales. So I, I think it's, it's not going to be too tricky to, to relocate it. There's not going to be big crowds. I don't think it'll be too big an issue. Um, I, I suppose we'll still be seeing it at the same time. We won't be seeing what happened in, in the original part of the season where we had the, the double header, but they're looking also at swapping the, um, their match with New South Wales. So they're, they're playing New South Wales, and if things change, then they get to play in Melbourne for the second fixture there. Yep. So returning from this one, there's a lot of guys that, uh, that could get a run this week. Uh, so first of all, Tom Banks has been nursing a foot injury. They expect him to be back this week. I don't think it's guaranteed, to be honest with you, with the language that we're using. That seems likely that he will play. Also, Luke Jones, we didn't see any of him at the start of the competition this year. They kept saying back injury, back injury, back injury. Unlike Sam Kane, he feels pain and uh, he didn't get back So uh, from his back injury. He, so he pl- plagued my fantasy bench, yep. That's right. So hopefully he's back starting for them before going overseas at the end of the year. Also, Reese Hodge with his groin injury and Campbell Magne, uh, who was injured, but I'm not sure where he, what happened to him. He got pulled late in uh, round four, I think it was. The two of those guys that we assume will be fit to add a lot of depth to the back line for the, uh, to the Rebels. Campbell Magne, a, a player we're all very excited about. We all really like to, would like to see more of him. And, and Reese Hodge in form as well, to be mm-hmm. fair. Yep. On top of that, just to top it off before we move on to, to some more specifics, Lewis Hollands, the ex-captain and playmaker, 25-year-old from Rugby Sevens Australia, fantastic player. Weapon. Anderson and Gerald Skelton, both Rugby Sevens players as well. I think Gerald Skelton especially has big raps on his physical ability as a loose forward as well. Yep. 
and uh, Falau Fainga is back from the never-ending toe injury. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was toe or foot, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, toe. Uh, well, I think we'll touch on those sevens players a little bit more uh, in <clears> dessert. <throat> but look, the Brumbies are the clear pace setters as they tend to be every year in this Australian conference. Um, Nick Frost, Caden Neville are both injured. Darcy Swain will get his chance uh, alongside Murray Douglas. Um, and we also see the return of ex-Brumby Ben Hine, who was playing with the Sunwolves. He got picked up straight away from the Brumbies uh, as soon as they had the opportunity. Um, but look, I, I don't think we'll see him coming into the starting side. He'll probably be on the bench replacing Neville. He's another guy that's uh, he's a back rower, not a lock. I'm sorry, I don't see he where is. he's coming from. He's a metre 94 as well. He's, yeah. he's, he's definitely a back rower. He, he's played number eight most of the time for the Brums. But I think, I think he, he's been around the Brumbies environment for a long time, which is why they snapped him straight back up. But, he's the same uh, he, as Pat Taffa, right? <laughs> he's yeah. a lot smaller. He's smaller than Pat Taffa, quite yeah. a lot smaller. Um, he's the exact same height. Yeah. There's not just height, mate. Okay, there's weight and you know, there's more to it. Um, but uh, no, he he had he made two like tried to two uh, starts to his career at the Brumbies, and both of them ended in like horrific injury, like within the first twenty minutes. I don't know if you guys remember. So he's had an awful lot of bad luck. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, we're also, I mean, even though that's what we're sort of talking about, that there's a few changes in the locks. You're still gonna see a really solid. Uh, Brumby scrum they've just been immovable whenever they've they've had the ball in the scrum and, and defensively they're they're really solid as well um, and you just expect them to monster them all as well um, line outs uh, I mean for Lau Fainga you heard it when you listen to our podcast with Alan Alatoa the man just thrives on scoring tries off the back of the the driving mall uh, he actually was equal top try scorer for Super Rugby not just the Australian Conference of Super Rugby wide um, at the first sort of part of this this year. And that's with missing, I think it was the last three games out of seven rounds, yet he was still equal. Pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Do you think he'll go uh, early in our draft on this Thursday, Nelson? Most definitely. <laughs> I don't think he'll get to number eight, but that way. Hopefully he does. <laughs> Very good. Um, yes, well, a player I'm excited about. Um, we'll get to, I was going to prop Nelson on the back row, but before we get there, let's talk about the important positions. Uh, the very young and exciting prop, Shambek Levui, tight head prop, Aussie under 20s a couple of years, at the tar, in the TARS system, didn't really get a run but was also injured and he's come down to the Brumbies and could there be a better place to be a tight head understudy than under captain of the Brumbies, Alan Alatoa? Um, he's in a very similar mould. Shambek Levui is one of these kind of incredibly athletic tight head props some absolute pace on him um, and some skills. And so I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, we, we see him um, fit as a, he's apparently fit as a fiddle. So the hopefully biggest, we... Yeah, the biggest thing out of this is, although Canberra is very cold, they don't make the pudgy players. They don't ever make the props. They always take them from New South Wales. They've got Alan Alatoa, Scotty Seo. They've got now Shambek Lavui and they've got Slipper, I think, from Queensland. That's it. Well, Vui was actually at the force to start with as well, I think. I think Vui's at the force and then... Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, so the other reason I'm excited about him is that um, Les Macon, who has been Alan's backup to come on and play about two minutes an average of the, a game, because Alan plays 78 minutes. Um, uh, he's injured and out for the season. So, uh, yes, hopefully Shambek Levoui should be thrust straight into it and um, get some, see some time. So it's not like they were really <laughs> had, a, had a poor front row. They've now got CO Slipper, 
Alan Aldoa and Vui. I mean, that's the dream. Good, good to see. Yeah, in terms of the back row, the Brumbies are spoiled for choice. Uh, I mean, we could spend ages on these, but I'll, I'll try not to. Valentini and Samu have just been really rock solid for them. Valentini is an absolute beast covering either six or eight. Samu is an absolute beast covering six or eight as well. I think they're two right now that we have to assume are locked in. It's going to be a fight for that seven jersey between Miller and Cusack. I don't see Cusack taking that jersey from Miller. I think he's been a perfect combination with the other two there starting at seven and he's what they need as that seven role. Cusack saying himself, he he thinks it's going to be hard for himself to work back into that starting side. You've also got McCaffrey, who's now working his way back in. You've got Brown, who we haven't seen for a little while. So it'll be probably a fight for me with McCaffrey and Cusack to cover that bench spot. And I think at the moment, against my gut, I think Cusack's going to be the guy to take it because they want to have someone that can cover that seven jersey a little bit more where you've got the two other guys, your six and eight, that can that are pretty interchangeable. I'll agree with that. Yep. Very good. Reese Hodge, he's a guy that we've talked about a lot. He needs to find himself his position. Uh, he's He should be fit. Uh, we assume that Campbell Magna is fit. Um, but Reese Hodge, is just, he's been one of those guys that he just seems to be too versatile and he hasn't been able to lock himself down. Um, so hopefully we get to see him having a, a good crack and locking yeah, himself in. Yeah, we mentioned him in Campbell Magna as well. So, mm-hmm. and, and on top of that, Andrew Kellaway, who didn't start in the starting side at the start of the original Super Rugby as well. So Kellaway took every opportunity and there was a lot of buzz about his form as well. He's obviously a, a uh, holds the record, I believe, for the most tries ever in the Under-20s World Cup. Also, Eagle top try scorer in the first half of this season. He was, he was what he had to be the, one of the form players in the Australian conference. Definitely was. So that's the thing, right? Like, if, if we assume he has to get a start in his wing, then where does Reese Hodge, Andrew Callaway, and, and Tom, sorry, Reese Hodge, Campbell Magne, and Tom English fit in? There's probably one position for those three guys. And who's going to get the outside center role? My gut feeling is you just put Reese Hodge there because of how versatile he is. And, I think there's a lot of people that believe that could be his his best position, but geez, there's a lot of a lot of competition for that backline spot. Also, with that, uh, the new laws around the 40-20, uh, 50-22, those sorts of things, the ability to have a number of kickers in your side is going to be massive. So that's something that he offers above the other guys. Yeah, and sure. and having said that as well, Noah Alessio, like pretty big benefit to having someone kicking like him as well. But mind you, on the flip side of thing, you have things you have probably the most. Uh, experienced 5-8 out of any of the teams as well uh, over in the Rebels. And the, the, the man himself who I think tabled a few different... Yeah, who tabled a few of these different laws. Yes, yeah. right, in the man, right in the man himself as oh, yeah. the, uh, the voice of all rugby positions in the, in the game at the moment. Fantastic. All right. Uh, and now let's move on You're to the... By, Brumbies by how much, guys? Brumbies oh, yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um... Oh, Brumby's by like, I don't know. I got 21. Oh, that's big. I'm going to say Brumby's by 17. 15. I like having the outlier. I'm a big fan of that. You always have. Hurricanes, gentlemen. Yeah, so in the returns column, we've got Solomon Alamar Lowell. Uh, returning from being sick, and Tupo Ovea, who is also returning from Mate, I'm sick of not seeing him play, so let's get him on the field. Yeah, I agree with that. Excellent. 
Um, this is pretty obvious, has to be said. Both teams desperately need the win. Last week they were saying it's not down and out yet for the Chiefs. This week it will be down and out for the Chiefs if they don't get a win on the board. They're down 3-0. Canes are down 2-0. They'll be desperate. Yeah, I think Sam Kane made a big, big difference for them coming back in. You know, just before the COVID break, the Hurricanes got up 24 to 27. But I, I don't really see that happening again. Chiefs at home, I think, is really big. Once those cowbells start ringing, it is hard to kind of get the momentum back from the, the Chiefs as they, the Chiefs' mana kicks in. I think uh, Aaron Cruden will probably be better for watching that game back and realising he's throwing a little bit more, too much ball away and that kicking is particularly important in the game at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the forward pack with Sam Kane is just a different beast. And I'm starting to appreciate his leadership a little bit more as well, to be honest. It's true. The Hurricanes have been hit this week with um, assistant coach Carlos Spencer has been let go. Um, so that's just uh, he's finishing up his contract early. So we'll, stopping... We'll take him any, to any of our teams. Yeah, that. Carlos, mate. Um, come over here, please. Thank you. So you're um, saying without Carlos, Carlos Spencer, we're not going to see any more trick plays from Garden Basher? No more. No more trick plays. Um, no more. But um, look, <laughs> very good. What an exciting player. Well, no, speaking of gun badship, the uh, I think the reason that the Hurricanes aren't winning is twofold. One is um, they've just been suffering uh, severely from a, a severe loss of uh, a depletion of Barretts. Um, they've lost two two Barretts. Yeah, no, it's fair. But um, but yes, yeah. speaking of Garden Bashup, I think you know Jordy Barrett's straight in there at ten. Um, Chase Tia has been doing a fine job at fifteen, as I've said. So, that's, uh, a, that's a big call. Let's just put it out there. I think call. it's a big call. But if you were Jordy Barrett, as if you wouldn't want to, just be yeah. like, give, give me the reins, let me take over. Let's yeah, go. I, I do agree. I just it's it's well, a big call. Burton Barrett's at fifteen now, anyway. So he's taking yeah. the spot. <laughs> yeah. Jordy may as well play ten. He's gone. Look, you made the All Blacks before, Jordy. See if you can make it in another position, mate. Try that on. Am I right in thinking that Geordie played 10 for the All Blacks more recently than Bowden? I think he did. I think he did. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Wowzers. There you go. So they, you heard it here first. Geordie Barrett coming back from his shoulder injury. will play at 10 for the Hurricanes. <laughs> Put your house on it. Yeah. Has, has there been any update on that injury? No, but it's about four weeks after an instability injury. I still think he's pushed to get back. Watch the Kiwis prove me wrong again, but... Uh, it, it would be a relatively quick recovery if he's back now. Okay, okay. Um, and now look, I haven't stayed on top of the news. I did see, I I did know that Tyler Ardron has signed um, overseas, but I didn't realise that was with immediate effect. I mean, yeah, I guess it makes sense. But... Yeah, the, the, the announcement was him and Tamor Manu, but Manu goes at the end of the year. Okay, so it's it's not like the Chiefs need a lock right now or anything. <laughs> um, but um, no, that's disappointing. I was looking forward to seeing him return to play, but. Um, they need more than a lock. They need Alamalo to start, which hopefully we'll see. They need Tokiaho to come back into that starting side. Um, but, yeah, hopefully D-Mac just continues to, to influence the game like we know he can. Uh, he just needs some people around him to, to, to back him up. And I think Alamalo is probably the guy that, that we can expect to do it. Yeah, yep. I think so. And, and you know, they, they pointed out that Anton Leonard-Brown had a huge amount of carries in the first couple of weeks of the year. I think everything is on his shoulders at the moment. It'd be really good to see D Mac in at first receiver a lot. Yep. And uh, and and like you said, Alamalo taking a little bit more as well. Yep. Any we we don't haven't really said much about the Hurricanes. We got any points about them? I mean, I think um, no. It's it's really going to be about the battle of the backs, but I think this is going to be one where the Chiefs forward pack will really get on top of the Hurricanes. 
Well, I think the Hurricanes forward pack has been lacking. So their, their back row just doesn't really get much done. You know? I mean, with, with Artie not being back to Artie, I mean, if Artie suddenly turns up, he can carry the whole team. You know? but, um, yeah. I don't think we'll expect Artie to turn back up to be Artie. I think it's going to take him time, as, as we've said before, that, to work back into it. But there's definitely a tough ask for them in, in this match. Between him and Kariffi, I mean, they, they really need to, to do some work around the breakdown and, and, you know, some solid defensive work. I think they just need to get the balance of their forward pack right. I think they're lacking set-piece prowess, especially in the second row. And I don't think that for Peter is the answer to that. I think he's probably a better six get Scott Scrafton back in the starting locks. And then I think the rest of the back row can kind of sort itself out. You have to have a Reed Princep in there, maybe Gareth Evans, one of those two at eight. And then Artie Severa at seven, give Karifi the chance just to go mental for the last 20 minutes. I agree. They just need to get that balance right. And I think it hasn't quite been there yet. They've gone too much down the pathway of what Australia rugby normally does, and they go, let's just put a couple inside flankers on. And uh, we've said it before with New Zealand that they've got the best, two of the best flankers in the world, and they don't play them together. Yet, some for some reason, we've moved Artie Sevilla into number eight um, and try to put another player then into that starting role, get him back into that seven jersey. In, in terms of playing players out of position at the same time, my solution is very simple. They just need to have Dane Coles and Asafa Moore on the field at the same time. I don't care. Just move one of them to flanker. Don't care which one, but well, uh, get him on. The other thing is, with Artie Sevilla not being at 100%, the thing he's lacking is a little bit of that aggression to yeah. contact. Even more reason to play him at open side flanker so he can make his tackles and push, push his work around, right, right around. They talked about moving him to number eight so that he can have more of a run. Well, let him get his confidence back in a position he's comfortable with. I agree. Then shift him back to eight. Yep. Very good. All right. So it sounds like we're all back in the Chiefs to win this one. Is that that's the overwhelming? And how much by? Harry, we'll go with you first. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> I, I reckon that they're going to do it relatively comfortably after last week's showing. I reckon they're going to do it by fourteen. Fourteen. Oof. I'm not. Else? I'm not. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that it, it will be more than a 1.1 1. 1 score win. I'm going to go for 12 points. And I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to go to 10. I reckon 10. So I'm going to take a low liar on this one. Why is that the opposite? <laughs> you just went, you did the exact same thing. Take two points off. All, All right. Really Let's keep going, gentlemen. Dessert. dessert. For dessert. We are going to preview Super Rugby AU. So basically just a very quick touch on any players that we haven't mentioned. Perhaps we'll just a quick run through on the Western Force squad to remind yeah. um, everyone who is there. And then just um, any players we think will stand out at Excel, any names you might need to know about. And I guess how we think the Aussie Conference will shape up. So Nels, do you want to take us through the Force? Or Harry, sorry? Harry, Harry. Thank you. Nelson um, he's disgusted by the first no one no one wants to to be honest with you. <laughs> so okay these are the names that stood out to me so first of all from the existing squad obviously Captain Ian Pryor plays 9 and 10 if you have a half pack that can do that and kick some goals very very valuable so, so does TJ Perinara these days yeah a little bit that's true not bad no, every time when Garden Batchup goes yeah, off that he plays really 10 at the end of the game Andrew Reddy uh, is is over there, the the old Queensland Reds hooker as well. Not old, but uh, ex-Queensland Reds hooker. <laughs> Heath Tessman on the bench, who is talking about still trying to push for a Wallabies spot as well. But obviously, I think he'll come off the bench. They've got some old heads at prop. Chris Heiberg from South Africa, Kieran Longbottom, Greg Holmes, a lot of older fellas there, but some good experienced heads to support probably Reddy. 
Then you've got Jeremy Thrush, the ex-Hurricanes player. Fergus Lee Warner, who's a name that a lot, maybe not a lot of other people would know, but Nelson and I, as gigantic uh, Horned Army fans, and by Horned Army fans, I mean this sport group for the Western Sydney Rams, Greater yeah, Western Sydney Rams. We are the founders of the Horned Army, so we know all their players. And Fergus Lee Warner was a big, versatile, mobile lock that could have played six. six we were a big, big fan of him when he played for the NRC. Obviously, maybe not quite as much space in this competition, but very excited to see him get a run. And do you guys want to plug selling your Horned Army beanies? Yeah, if anyone wants a great Rams helmet, that doesn't exist anymore. No, we've got about 1,500 left. Limited edition. If you want an orange beanie with blue horns, (laughs) we can take off the logo. That's right. Just cost a bit more. Anyway. Just wait a few more years, it'll be vintage, boys. All good. (laughs) Number eight, Brian Ard, Stander, a very good player. Jack McGregor and Nick Ju- and Nick Juice the yes. uh, Oost, the uh, two playmakers in the team at ten and fifteen, uh, fifteen and ten respectively. Henry Tafu, the centre from the Reds and Samoa. also from Samoa as well, very good centre. I reckon he'll play probably thirteen in this team, but we'll see. Uh, Brad Lacey, very good physical winger. Um, just a great player. One of the few players in this squad that have been mentioned as potential Wallabies. Palmer Fowl, getting a little bit older now, not quite lived up to his potential, but just an excellent, excellent outside back as well. Love him. Player. Yep. Jonah Placid, ex-Reds fullback as well, Western Force player. Who he'd spent a few years with Dillon. He's quite a good player. Yep. And uh, on top of that, some new signings. You've got Jono Lance, who's won two... Australian Super Rugby titles, so with the Reds and the Waratahs. Don't know if anyone else has done that. Uh, on top of that, Carl Godwin, who is a 10, 12, 13. I reckon he'll... He's coming home. He is. And, and again, I reckon he's probably my, my top player from this side, Carl Godwin. Mm-hmm. I expect him to pair up with Henry Tafu in their centres. And I'd be yep. surprised if that didn't happen. Uh, Ollie Atkins, a 27-year-old lock, has been playing over in England for a few years and has a fair bit of experience for him. Jordan Luke, an older player coming back, and Kane Kateka as well should get a real good start. A, a, uh, a local boy. A local boy that will most likely take the spot from Chris Allcock, who has just retired as well. He's Allcock! Yeah, so uh, a, a lot of potential there. Um, but look, the one thing I would say as well, worth noting for fantasy managers, John O'Lance, Carl Godwin, Ollie Atkins that have just come back into the squad, they had to serve a two-week isolation. They're actually probably starting training this week, so... Maybe they won't play around one. Very good. The player I like, who I'm excited about, is Henry Henry Stowers or Stowers. I forget how you say his surname. Yeah. But um, Kiwi under twenty, hard hitting back rower. Big yes. fan of him. Absolutely. Yeah. For the Waratahs, there's not as much to touch on. I suppose we've already really talked about it with Damien Fitzpatrick uh, retiring and Curtly Beal going overseas. The biggest thing here to note is he who, who shall not be named as previous coach. Really stuffed around Mac Mason. He was quite a talented young 10 uh, who didn't get given much nurturing or much opportunity at the Tars. And now it seems that he is not only on the outer for the Waratahs um, with Ben Donaldson and Will Harrison there, it looks like he's been told he can go back, stay in Queensland and work on his family farm because next year he is not going to get another Waratahs contract. So he is not training with them. Um, so that's going to be a bit of a disappointment. So it was Donaldson that is Will Harrison's backup, right? The other ben, under 20 yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. Another excellent player. 15 slash 10 as well. Yeah. He's a bit more... He can play 15. Both excellent young players. Yeah. From Good. the Brums, 
Blake Geneva, we, we haven't mentioned, he never starts anyway. Thank you. But, Thank you. Uh, the joke had to be said. <laughs> it's got to be. He's released on compassionate grounds and then within a few days signed with Leicester. So, well, at least to go to Queensland to spend time with his family. Yeah. Then signing overseas. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, for the Reds, we've mentioned most of those guys as well, but you have got Mac Greeley, Josh Fluke, Kalani Thomas and Ryan Smith. A lot of talented youngsters there. Ryan Smith, the older head at lock. Does anyone else think those don't sound like real names? Mac Greeley, Josh Fluke, like just where do they where do they come up with these? We know you're not as big a fan of Aussie rugby as us. Mac Greeley is actually quite an interesting young player, and I, I don't necessarily see he's the same style. But they're talking about um, him the same as that. Uh, who's the Kiwi ten that's playing rugby league that wants to come back and play for the All Blacks? He's playing for Australia. Oh, yeah. um, they're saying like he's quite an agile attacking ten. And he actually looks quite promising. Josh Fluke was the captain of the school side last year. Kalani uh, Thomas is a good, uh, agile nine. Um, so they've got a few options there replacing some of the guys that have left. Yeah, but for example, Ryan Smith. I mean, that's just when you're making up, uh, filling in a form, you're making up a name, John Smith, and you're like, oh, hold on, a couple of John, you, you go to Ryan Smith. That's the alternative there. So, yeah, um, he, he was quite positive, uh, quite quite good in the NRC previously as well. Yeah, 20, 23 years old. They just needed a lock, and I think that's it. You can't get another, another, another young player in that team. So I think they went for someone that's been on the fringes for a few years and should just be a little bit, have a little bit more experience. For the Excellent. Rebels, All right, I was going to say the million dollar question the Rebels. How do, yeah. how do we, how do they, we've just talked about how competitive it is in that, in that back line. How do we fit in Lewis Holland, Lockie Anderson and Gerald Skelton? I don't think we see these guys rushed into the squad. As we said, especially in the, the backs, they've got quite a few um, people to cover a lot of different positions. The people that I'm most excited to see have a crack is Lewis Holland. Louis Holland, Lewis, Louis Holland. He is, uh, he could probably pay 10, 12, 15. He's not only a really agile player, this this player can throw a dart, a, a pass, two-man, three-man cut out, hit the guy on the chest. Uh, something that a lot of the players that have been training with him saying his pass just is absolutely outrageous and, and faster passes anyone else in the team. He's also just been slowing drop goals from 50 metres out. Like, it's absolutely nothing. Um, Video has been surfacing on that. Yeah, nice. So, so plenty of players to look forward to. Kagi, what's your, what do you rank the Aussie teams in Super Rugby AU? That's a very good question. Um, well, I'll start with the very simple number one will be the ACT Brumbies. No, Does anyone disagree with that? No, no dramas there. That's a gimme. Uh, following that, it gets more interesting. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put the force at number five. Um, so just to be clear, just, you know, spicing it up. Um, and then in the middle, middle order, um, I'm going to actually go the... so. Brumbies, I'm going to say the Reds are going to come in second. I'm going to say the tough one between the Tars and the Rebels. Um, Tars are bloody awful. Um, Look at you, mate. All right, I'm going, to, I'm going to say, I don't want to, but I'm going to say Tars then Rebs, and that's just because I love Angus Bell. Okay. I'm going to go, look, I think Brumbies obviously first. Western Force, just for the unknown, you have to put them last, but who knows? I would love to see them upset a few teams. I'm going to say the Reds are being disrupted a lot by what's going on off the field. The Rebels are the team that are going to have to be shipped around and changing where they're playing every single fixture. They're going to be on the road constantly. So that pushes the Waratahs up to number two. Hi, mate. Wowzers. All right. Oh, hi. The Reds to number three and the Rebels to four. I 
I, I didn't listen to Kagi. I don't listen to him when he talks. But I'm going to say the Brumbies are definitely going to take out first place. I think you said red second place. I did. I did. Sadly, I think red second place. Uh, I just think they've got too much flair there. And I, I do think the shipping around of the Melbourne Rebels is going to prove too much. Um, so I think the Melbourne Rebels will slide into third. I think I'd love to say that the Force will take the, the Tars which I do think there's a potential there. I, I don't. I think Harry's crazy to put Tars in second place. He's definitely got his blue glasses on. But I think the Tars will come in fourth. And the main reason is I think there's a lot of changes for the force. And right now, they don't know when they're going home. They're playing their games uh, away from home. They've been in Newcastle for a while. Four weeks. They said second half of the season. They're not, they, they have not locked in that they can play home games. They have home games scheduled, but they're not sure if they can actually go over and play in West Australia. Please, mate, they've basically got all the money in Western Australia to try and sway the government. Okay, mate. That's so, true. The, the only team getting paid full salaries. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be too much of an ask for them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the task. Very good. That was the most roundabout way of ranking one to five. All three of us just did. We know like one, five, four, three, whatever. But um, anyway, we hope you got that. If you stayed with us long enough, then you probably then, uh, you know, you, you're able to translate that kind of stuff. The I think that's going to... podcast, Craig's, is a lack of accountability. And we figure if we do it that way, no one knows what we actually ever said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We haven't, we, we got it, it written if, on the spreadsheet, but we didn't type it in. Yeah, just if, so we can't be wrong. If you're still listening, tweet at us what our rankings were one to five because then we'll have a good record, <laughs> record of it as well. well um, and let us know your rankings one to five. That's probably helpful. That's it. Very good. All right, lads. Pod's long enough. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week with probably the longest pod we've ever done. With um, Oh, yeah. Stay so laddie.